0: Well, in Colossians today, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul calls us to prayer. And he says in verse 2, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, what does devoted mean? Well, it means to be committed. To be all in on something. It means to stick at something, to just keep going, to never give up. But I'd like to find out this morning, just to help us understand this concept of being devoted, of commitment, of persistence. I'd like to find out how committed all of you are to certain things. So if you're able, please stand up. I'm going to ask you on a scale of one, one finger to ten fingers, one being least committed, ten being most committed, how committed you are to these things. All right, so number one, how committed, how committed are you to music? One for least committed and ten fingers for most committed. Okay, sit down if you have three, four, or five fingers up. Okay, sit down if you have six, seven, or eight fingers up. Okay, now what we have are the least committed and the most committed people in the room to music. Interesting, okay, everyone can sit down. Well, how do you show your commitment to music? Well, you might work really hard on a musical instrument like the ukulele. This is a bit out of tune, I can't play it, neither can my girls very well, that's okay. They're working at it. How else do you show your commitment to music? You might, I'm guessing you'll probably, if you're really committed to music and the cricket's on the radio, unless you really love cricket, you'll listen to music in your car instead of the cricket. There's some ways to show your commitment to music. Okay, everyone stand up again. How committed are you to sport? Okay, number one for least committed, ten for the most committed. All right, if you've got three, four, or five fingers up, sit down. We're just getting rid of the ambivalent kind of people. Uh, Six, seven, five, six, seven, or eight this time we'll go. Sit down. All right, what you have here, my friends are the most committed and the least committed people to sport in the room. Okay, everyone sit down. Well, the way that you show your commitment to sport is you might watch a lot of it on TV. You might play a lot of it. You'll practice at your favourite sport that you play. There are the ways that you might show your commitment to sport. Well, the last one, how committed are you to gardening. Stand up. <laughs> Alright, I'm just going to... Uh, Derek's, Derek's not very committed to gardening. I'm just going to leave it at this. If you've got ten fingers up, stay standing. Everyone else sit down. I want to know... Oh, here we go. Okay, all of you, just say so you know... We haven't had a house inspection for a while. We might not have one because that's not what our landlords tend to do. But our garden needs a bit of work, so come and see me after <laughs> sit-down. Well, how do you show your commitment to gardening? I'm guessing, Graham, that you know a little bit about plants and you know the difference between plants and weeds. Is that right? Yeah, so you'll, you'll weed the weeds and you'll fertilise the plants or whatever. You'll be out there in the sun... Grinding away, doing the gardening. I don't mind a bit of gardening, actually. It's one of my favourite things to do, to rest. But only if there's no cricket on TV. (laughs) Well, Paul calls us to be committed, faithful, persistent in prayer. And I've just got uh, three ways that we can show our commitment to prayer. Number one... Have one time of the day that you pray every day. One time of the day that you pray every day. And that will help you develop the habit of praying. It might be the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning. It might be the last thing you do before you go to bed. It could be any time. Number two, you can pray any time. There's a Colin Buchanan song that goes, You can tell the Lord that you love him anytime. Just remember that. Remember that every day that you can talk to God, come to him in prayer. You can thank him for stuff. You can ask him for stuff. You can praise him for stuff. Anytime. And the third thing, and this is the most important thing, and that is to remember who the one is that you're praying and talking to. A loving Heavenly Father who's shown us great love in Jesus, in sending Jesus for us, who's died for us, who's come alive again, who's given us His Spirit to change us and make us more like Him. If that's on your mind, you will pray. Well, there's some areas of the Christian life that we're more sensitive to than others. They're the things that wake up our consciences, that bring up feelings of guilt, perhaps, uh, feelings of shame. Now, which areas are you most sensitive to? If you knew every topic of every sermon being preached at New Life this year... What would tempt you to skip church? What would make you the most uncomfortable to listen to a sermon about? Well, the areas I'm most sensitive to are the things in my own life that I'm least satisfied with. And two of those, to be quite honest, come up in Colossians 4. Number one, prayer. And number two, speaking with unbelievers. See, with prayer and evangelism, sharing Jesus, many of us feel guilty, incompetent, maybe even defeated. And I'm no different. I don't feel like I pray enough. And I know how distracted I can get when I do try to pray. I waste opportunities to share Jesus. And sometimes I don't even look for those opportunities that are there. But praying out of guilt, praying out of a sense of shame, isn't the answer. Nor is sharing Jesus in this way. Praying out of guilt, praying out of a sense of duty as well, isn't the answer. Nor is sharing Jesus out of a sense of guilt or out of a sense of duty. That's not the response that Paul wants from Colossians 4, and it's not the response that I want to my preaching today, or any time, really. I'd hate for us to go away just feeling terrible. I'd hate for us to go away just determined to try harder, and that's it. Don't get me wrong, Paul's call to prayer is a serious call to prayer, and his call to be wise is a serious call to be wise but they're not just rules and they're not threats. They're gospel invitations. They flow from an understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done, what he's doing and what he will do. In verse 2, which we looked at before briefly, Paul calls us to committed, faithful And persistent prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, he says. But Paul doesn't appeal to our sense of guilt or our sense of duty to motivate us. He appeals to watchfulness and an attitude of thanksgiving. Watchfulness and an attitude of thanksgiving. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. See, prayer is a watchful activity. It requires being awake, being alert to what's happened, what's happening and what will happen in God's big plan for the world. Paul is saying, be switched on to gospel realities. You've been raised with Christ, chapter 3, verse 1. You died and your life is now hidden with him, chapter 3, verse 3. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory, chapter 3, verse 4. All those reminders have come. These are the realities of the Gospel to be alert to. See, one reason to keep coming to church week after week is to keep reminding each other of these things because in a world full of distractions like Netflix, smartphones, whatever it might be, even just the activities of life that just crowd your life. See, in a world full of distractions, we'll soon forget and we won't pray. But when the work of God in Christ is on our agenda and when we're reminding one another of what God has done for us in Jesus, when we see life in His light, this is what will empower us to pray. But what is it that energises watchful prayer? It's not guilt, it's not shame, it's not even simply duty, the idea that you just do it because you know you should. Like a battery energises a phone, thankfulness, an attitude of thankfulness is what energises prayer. And boy, haven't we got something to be thankful for. Back in chapter 1, verse 13, Paul reminds us that God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son. Why wouldn't we want to bring our requests to Him, knowing this truth and believing it? A couple of weeks ago, Russell challenged us, if you were here, to develop a habit of thanksgiving, To take the time to dwell on the things that we're thankful for. And he called us to start recognizing one thing a day that you're thankful for. You can use the app he suggested. I think it's called Grateful. Or you can just write it down somewhere, note it down, or just deliberately call it to mind. It can be simple things like the birds in the trees chirping. It can be the way that you're seeing God work in someone's life. We can be thankful for all kinds of things and thankfulness and prayer go together. But maybe you're unsure what thankful, watchful or watchful, thankful believers pray for. Or something that, I've found helpful in my own prayer life, is to start with Paul's prayers. I read this book once, a while ago now. It's written, I think it's written by Don Carson. It's called A A Call to Spiritual Reformation. And basically, he just goes through each of Paul's prayers in the New Testament and shows what Paul prays for, what he focuses on in his prayers. And to tell you the truth, going through Paul's prayers through this book changed the way that I pray completely changed the way that I pray. I started praying for other people more than just myself. I started praying for the things that God is at work in doing in the world. Still a long way to go. And I struggle as much as anyone with prayer at times. But this, starting with Paul's prayers, really helped me. Well, in verses 3 to 4, we see what watchful, thankful praying will focus on. And it'll focus on what God's doing. That's what Paul constantly did, and it's what he calls the Colossians to, it's what he calls us to today. He says, while you're praying for yourselves, verse 3 to 4, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as i should see Paul's in chains he's imprisoned he's held captive but he doesn't ask them to pray for his relief release sorry for his safety or for his physical needs perhaps the colossians were already praying for those things they're not bad things to pray for but because Paul was watchful and because he was thankful he cared more about the door for the Word being opened than he did for the door of his prison, if you like. He longed for the Gospel to transform people more than anything else. I found this a good reminder this week, to, to ask God to open doors, doors of opportunity for His Word to be heard, doors of human hearts for His Word to be received and trusted in and believed Do you pray for God to open doors? Are your prayers focused on what God's doing? Paul calls us to commit ourselves to prayer. And getting practical now, here's three tips for persisting in prayer that might be helpful. And each of these have helped me at different times. Number one, tie prayer to Bible reading. Whatever you're reading in the Bible... Use that to spark your prayers. Use that to shape what you pray for others, what you pray for yourself, what you pray for your families. It's a really helpful way of making sure that you are praying for the things that God is doing. It's the first one, tie prayer to Bible reading. Number two, maybe have a crack at writing out your prayers. I I found this really helpful. I've I've started doing it again this week, having been in this passage because sometimes i can be so distracted sometimes i can have so much going on in my head that i find it really hard just to stop and to focus and to know what to pray for and when i when i write out my prayers it slows me down and it helps me get my thoughts together and it helps me to pray genuinely and the third tip for persisting in prayer: organise your prayer life. You can do this with like a prayer journal or something, or you can you can use an app like Prayer Mate. I've started you. I've used Prayer Mate before. I've started using it again because you can you can set it up in a way that it reminds you what to pray for, for people for for other things things that you, to be thankful for you can you can set it up with lists and then you just swipe through the things and you pray for them as they come up prayer mate there's an app you can try if if you want to organize your prayer life a bit more but whatever the case look you can have all the great practical wisdom in the world for prayer but if you're not watchful to to the to gospel realities, and if you're not thankful, then you're just going to end up being motivated out of guilt to pray. You're just going to end up praying only out of a sense of duty, not out of joy and love for God and others. So remember thankfulness and remember watchfulness. Well, it's the same with Paul's call to be wise as it is with his call to pray. He doesn't motivate us out of a sense of guilt or a sense of duty. In his call to be wise in our relationships to unbelievers, he appeals to the urgency of the times. He says in verse 5, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. It's the time of opportunity. That's what Paul's trying to highlight here. It's the time that the gospel is changing lives. It's a time that the gospel is changing outsiders to insiders, unbelievers to believers. And wise interaction with unbelievers will mean snapping up every opportunity that comes. It's kind of like an Audi shopper snapping up special buys in the ski sale while there's still time. Okay? There's an urgency while there's time. There has to be an urgency. But a certain kind of speech is required, isn't it? Behaviour matters. The way we speak matters. Verse 6, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Be gracious. Whenever you speak, it's not about winning an argument. It's about the person there. It's not about scoring points. It's about loving people. Be salty. Say something that's real. Something that's got substance. Something that matters. This adds flavour to your conversation. And by being gracious and being salty in the way you speak... See, you're not going to lose the opportunity to speak by saying something foolish, by causing people to stop listening to you. Speak graciously, speak saltily, then when you're asked the questions, you'll have the right words. See how verse 6 ends? So that you may know how to answer everyone. I heard an older gentleman say, when you're young, you think life's forever when you're old you say where it's all gone where's it all gone not where it's all gone where's it all gone you think life's forever when you're young you wonder where it's all gone when you're older opportunities to speak will come don't waste them make every use of them while we can Paul calls us to be wise in the way we act towards outsiders. And getting practical, here's two tips for your interactions. The first has to do with the relationship itself and the second has to do with taking the opportunity. Number one, and this is something I stole as well, I heard this from a, uh, one of my chaplains when I was at college, bef- to prepare us before, we were go- to go- before going out on mission. And it's pretty simple. He said, every person's interesting. Every person's interesting. Everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone has something that you can learn from, learn from them about. Every person's interesting. And when you discover what's interesting about that person, that'll enable you to connect with them in another way. Connect with them on their terms connect with them on what they love and what they cherish. And it will mean that you have opportunities. Number two, to do with taking the opportunity when it comes, when the question does come, have an answer ready. Now, you might have opportunities to answer big questions about life, about the universe, about that kind of stuff. And you'll do well to be prepared, depending on what those questions are. But, here's a question that lots of us might get asked tomorrow, Monday morning. What did you get up to on the weekend? What did you get up to on the weekend? That's an opportunity. Sure, it's not someone asking what must I do to be saved, but you have the opportunity to have a thoughtful answer ready to that kind of question, that really basic question. So do prepare. Have an answer ready. I went to church yesterday and I was reminded that there's way more to life than eating, working and sleeping. Or perhaps... I met with my church family yesterday and you know what? I've got so much to be thankful for. You can come up with your own answer. An answer that might give you that opportunity to speak up and share the truth that that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Because that's you, that's me and it's the person who asks you what you do what you did on the weekend.